This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with conservation specialists relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Our guest today is Jack Elfke, the Chief of Natural and Cultural Resources Management at North Cascades National Park, just retired. Jack has spent his entire career at the National Park Service, starting at Glacier National Park and also working at Olympic National Park in Washington and Isle Royale National Park in Michigan. He has spent his career devoted to the mission of the National Park Service, the long-term preservation of park resources for future generations. And he particularly enjoys time spent in the wilderness. So welcome, Jack. It's great to be talking with you. Uh, so we've got a half hour, so let's just start talking about uh, uh, the uh, North Cascades uh, Park, which strikes me as a different kind of park compared to Yellowstone, Yosemite, Grand Canyon. It's accessed by a remote highway. It has no tributary roads that I know of, and it has two recreation appearers. Uh, areas that appear to have no road access to them. So what's the history and character that gave it its national park status? Yeah, so good morning, uh, Jay. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, well, it's a it's a large natural area, um, not unlike many of our other big national parks. It has world-class beauty, uh, I would I would say. It's filled with glaciers and, and high subalpine meadows and uh, you know, there's there's mountaineering and trail hiking and and lots of wildlife. So it's it's got a lot of the the big natural features that a lot of our other natural parks have. It's just not quite as well known as some of the other parks. Right. Uh-huh. So what's the history of the park? Well, uh, starting back in the 1890s already, there were people who who saw it and and thought it had you know the the qualities and character to perhaps be a national park, but it it took a long time. Uh, we weren't designated a park until 1968, so it took wow. what about 70, 70 years of, of yeah, people trying right. and and uh, over time, and finally became a park in 1968. Yeah. So, what's the geological history of its mountains? Well, it's um, you know there's a mix of things. Uh, it's it's a good example of the tectonic plates various tectonic plates coming together and mashing together and causing uplift and creating these mountains. And of course, um, we have volcanic um, evidence, Mount Baker's right on our border. So there's uh, there's definitely a volcanoes in the mix. And then um, most recently, there's um, our park has a, is a real good example of glaciation. Uh, we have uh, we have still remaining quite a few glaciers, well over 300 glaciers that still uh, are in the mountain. But the landscape itself has been worked over a fair bit by by glaciers over time. And so that's what uh, I, I think most people would, would see as they come here now is the results of glaciers carving up the mountains and, and valleys and so on. So is the rock uh, all igneous or is there some sedimentary as well? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it dates back um, probably 400 million years. So um, obviously a long time of, of uh, 
of mountain creation and and so on there. Yeah, pretty striking. And it uh, it contains Mount Shuksan, which is 9,131 feet, but Mount Baker, which is taller, it's 10,781, is actually just outside the park boundary. Why why wasn't Mount Baker included when the park was created? Yeah, you'd think it it would be. It, it certainly is, stands out and is so striking. It's a beautiful mountain. But that goes back, um, I think, to some of the um, opposition that existed when folks were talking about creating the park. And in this case, um, you know, there was plenty of folks who wanted to keep, you know, the forests available for uh, timber and logging and so on. And and in terms of Mount Baker, I think it was, you know, the Forest Service had managed all of this area. And there was some, you know, some pretty bearded, I'd say, competition between the two agencies as to who should who should keep and manage these wonderful, beautiful areas. So it, it just, yeah. there was some agency, interagency opposition going on, I'd say. And, but eventually it, it worked out and Congress designated it. And so Mount Baker itself stayed with the Forest Service. And of course, a good part of it is designated wilderness. So it's, it's well protected anyway. But it is just off our border to the west. So yeah. the uh, the Mount Baker is called Kuma Kulshan by the Lumi uh, Indian tribe. Uh, is there any any move to re- rename Mount Baker as uh, Mount McKinley was renamed in Alaska? Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't doubt there are some who who would uh, wish that, but I honestly I haven't heard much of that. There's oh. I think there's enough concern about other things going on that that's probably not at the top of the list. So. Yeah, I see. How many waterfalls are in the park? Uh, well, that's a good question. We've, we've got lots. I, I think the easiest thing I can say, Jay, is there's probably hundreds of them. Um, oh. you, you can go uh, most every every drainage uh, you go up, and there's going to be waterfalls, various waterfalls coming down. So they provide a great, uh, a great backdrop of the natural sounds uh, as you're out hiking and amongst the mountains to hear all the water running, for sure. Yeah. So uh, the and I assume there are more in the adjacent uh, recreation areas. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, most definitely, the, the the you know the recreation areas were established primarily because instead of all of it being a national park, because in the recreation areas there were some pre-existing activities, and in, in this case, you know, all the hydropower, which mm. typically aren't found in national parks, and so then. They uh, they gave them a, a slightly lesser um, designation as a national recreation area because of that the uh, all the hydropower facilities uh, in the recreation area and and in and on the east side uh, Lake Chelan National Recreation Area there was some avid hunting and and hunting support and and that's not common for national parks so they they made them national recreation areas because so hunting is allowed in those recreation areas. Mm. So, so, Chelan, so Chelan and Ross Lake are the two recreation areas that the Park yep. Service also yep. administers? Yep, and we just administer them pretty much all as, as one unit, acknowledging that there are some things going on in the recreation areas that are oh, that are a little different than in the national park. But but for example, um, so all three of those areas total almost 700,000 acres, and, and 94% of that is designated wilderness. So it, it doesn't matter if it's the park 
or a recreation area. Most of it is is formally uh, designated by Congress as as wilderness. So, and that's how we manage most of it. And there's a rainfall differentiation between the east and the west. Uh, what explains that? Yeah, well, that's um, that's those mountains, those tall mountains, right, going running uh, north south. You know, the the air masses will come in and and be uplifted and and drop most of their moisture on the west side, and then as they uh, move across to the east side, it's you know it's the rain shadow effect. So it's a much drier uh, east side. So pretty common for mountains in the west, and and we have that as well. So a wet west side and a dry east side. So the park contains a lot of hiking trails. Uh, how many miles of trails are there? Um, we're we're almost uh, well, just a little under 400 miles uh, of trails, hiking trails, and you know they're they're maintained. We have a trail crew, and so um, try to get to them all every year. It's not always possible, but, uh, but yeah, we um, we have two two of the trails we have parts of the uh, pacific crest trail of course which runs from mexico to canada and we have part of that going through the park and then we have a a somewhat newer uh, national trail it's the pacific uh, northwest um, national scenic trail it runs from um, actually glacier national park in montana all the way across the northern tier through through idaho Washington and, and then heads out to the Pacific coast, but that passes through our park as well. So, so we have a couple of these national trails as well as uh, lots of other uh, trails in the park that are, are open and maintained for visitors. Does that include the trails in the recreation areas or? Um, yeah, yeah, you bet. Is, yeah. So what's the, di- what's the diversity of trees uh, that are found in the park? Well, just just like I, it, it kind of mirrors or, or follows, I guess, um, you know, the the ecotypes that are are uh, exist because of the different rainfall and elevation. Um, and so, on the, again, on the wetter west side, there's um, western hemlock and dug firs and western red cedar, big leaf maple are, are, are common trees. And then on the east side. Um, you'll have some of those same, but then you also have more ponderosa pine. And then as you go up in elevation, of course, um, you get other you get other uh, tree species, subalpine firs and larch and so on. And and we have one pretty rare one. Matter of fact, the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has just proposed it as listing under the Endangered Species Act, and that's the uh, the white bark pine. It's, oh, yeah. it's it's a high elevation tree, a beautiful tree. Um, and it's um, it's um, declining. It's in it's in serious trouble. Actually, it's declining because of um, different diseases that have been brought in from the mm-hmm. from outside the, this country uh, long ago, mm-hmm. and so are, are causing it to decline. So, are, are so, yeah. efforts being made to uh, to save the white bark pine? Is there anything that you can know, be the, done? You know, yeah, there's there's been work done trying to, you know, identify if there are some individual trees or areas that are more resistant to this uh this white bark uh, pine blister rust. That's what's the main issue with it with the the decline, but and they've had a little bit of success, but it's uh, not widespread yet and and so there is some effort to try and find trees that'll be resistant and then plant them back out 
um, in on the landscape. But that's a, that's a lot of work to that, and and so far, I I don't know how well it's working, uh, to be honest. Well, white bark pine has been uh, a source uh, for grizzly bears to feed to feed on the uh, cones, I guess. Uh, is yeah. that uh, is that affecting grizzly bear populations? Well, you know, it certainly was a concern, um, and recently in the in the Yellowstone ecosystem, and, and probably up uh, toward Glacier Park as well. But um, one thing about grizzly bears we've learned is that they're pretty adaptive um, in terms of their food sources, and they can, if they lose one food source, um, they they often can pivot more or less and, and find something else, and so. You know, as, as we know, the white bark pine is declining in Yellowstone, and, and yet the grizzly bears there are, are doing relatively well. Um, and that's largely because people are letting letting them be. They're, they're coexisting with them. So, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so yeah, the, uh, it's a concern about loss of white bark pine, but it's not um, – the bears seem to be adjusting to it. That's, that's the, the easy generalization. Uh, What's the diversity of fish in the lakes and streams? Yeah, well, we well, our park is, uh, of course, the Skagit River drains the, the west side of the park, and it's pretty cool because we have all five species of salmon uh, within the Skagit River. So the, the pink and Chinook, uh, sockeye, coho, and chum are, are all found on the Skagit. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are not doing well. There's concern, of course, and that's, you know, a much broader issue than just in the park, but uh, but we do have all five species of of salmon. We have bull trout, which is another rare species, but it's on doing fairly well in Ross Lake, and, uh, and then West Slope cutthroat and rainbow trout, rainbow or steelhead. So we, we've got quite a diversity of of uh, fish species uh, in our in our water. Yeah. So there are both mule deer and blacktail deer in the park. Yep, yep, yep. And historically, there were caribou in in the north uh, in the border area uh, with Canada. Are there any caribou still around? No, um, uh, they've they're a species that's been uh, affected by climate change and and uh, they need the cooler cooler climates and so they've they, they haven't been around this area for for quite some time i know there's some over in northeast washington but even those are are having trouble so mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it's been quite some time since we saw any caribou here mm-hmm. for sure so uh you have grizzlies you also have black bears is that right yeah, we we have a, a we think a healthy black bear population, and of course historically we had grizzly bears. Um, they were pretty pretty much eliminated. Uh, if you know, we might have an occasional grizzly bear that wanders across from Canada, but um, mm. but we don't uh, believe that we have a population at all. And we we've just mm. spent uh, the last several years, you know, considering the recovery of grizzly bears and have gone through a lot of public outreach and so on and that's kind of stalled out now for a little bit but um but yeah um grizzly bears certainly did exist here at one time but um you you're hard pressed to find one now in the north cascades mm-hmm. 
So uh, uh, if you're hiking, will you encounter uh, mountain goats as well as bighorn sheep? Yes, mountain goats. Uh, there used to be more of those, but they were they were overhunted a bit as well. Um, but there still are mountain goats. You can find them in various places, both east and west side. Bighorn sheep are pretty much the only place you'll find them are um, down probably just off our southern border along Lake Chelan there, more on the Forest Service ridges. Uh, they they don't really spend time up in the park, at least not that we've seen for, for a while. But you'll see them along Lake Chelan sometimes. It's pretty fun. And uh, you have some wolverine? Yeah, yeah. That's been another, that's been a, a kind of a interesting um, success story of they've come back in the last, you know, I don't know, uh, 5, 10, 15 years they've been showing up and slowly repopulating. Um, and there's been some research has been going on to, to see where they are and so on. But, but yeah, they've, they've shown up and they need good snowpack. And so, you know, whether their snowpack is going to remain into the future is, is, I guess, a question. But for now, they've come back and, and seem to have reestablished. And, and even up and down the Cascades, um, down in through Mount Rainier area as well. So it's, it's been, a, been great uh, that they have been able to come back as they have. Yeah, I've interviewed a researcher who has uh, been working on the uh, wolverine pack on. It's a wolverine family on Mount Rainier. So I guess yeah. they're they're moving down the Cascades. Yeah. So you also have yeah. coug uh, cougar and bobcats, maybe lynx? Uh, we, do, we do. We have cougar and bobcat. Of course, you don't see them very often, but um, we have, you know, various wildlife cameras set out in different parts of the park, and we occasionally will pick them up. And then... Uh, regarding lynx, yes, you know, another species that's quite rare and is, is struggling, um, but they're they're more in the north um, east and east part of the park where it's a little drier and, and kind of the uh, ecosystem over there. So more in the Passaic and, and so on, but we have them up against our east border over there. So, yeah, we, we've seen some lynx as well. Are all the uh, wildlife populations doing well in the park? Are there any endangered species or species that yeah, are in trouble? Yeah, um, of course, I mentioned just casually some of the, the fish species and, um, you know, salmon in general are not doing well. Uh, bull trout are uh, on the endangered species list. So they're, although they're relatively healthy on the west side of the park, they've been eliminated from the east side of the park. But then in terms of uh, mammals, um, of course, I mentioned grizzly bears a little bit ago. Um, we will, you know, they've pretty much been eliminated and, and there still is some effort afoot to perhaps um, help them recover back into the park. And and then the uh, gray wolves have come back on their own. Uh, they're they're mostly, mostly on the east side of the park and a little bit to the north, although we did have a small pack make it across the mountains to the west side two or three years ago, but they they haven't really um, taken off much. Um, so I don't know if, don't even know if they still think there's that small pack, but uh, on the west side, but but so, but they have come back on their own, which is uh, always, always great when a species can do that. How many, um, how many wolf packs do you think there may be in the bark? What we know of, and, and the state tracks this uh, more closely, but uh, there's probably one pack on the 
on the east side, uh, you know, between the Metal Valley and, and the park. And then there's probably something up in the north. Uh, we, we often have wolves hanging around the Canadian border and coming in up at Ross Lake, up at Hosamine up there and hang out some. And then again, we, we thought we had this pack on the west side a couple of years ago. So I, I would just say in general, perhaps two or three uh, small packs. So they're, they're really not uh, very large, not, not like a Yellowstone situation or something. And what kind of, what kind of bird life do you have in the park? It sounds funny if I say we have lots of birds, lots of bird species. There's bald eagles, um, osprey, you know, uh, other um, birds of prey, you know, a number of the owl species. We do have spotted owls, so there's going back to rare species. That's a species that uh-huh. continues to decline. We, we probably only have a, a few known uh, active nests for spotted owls still, but... Um, and then a lot of, um, you know, neotropical migrant birds, the birds that spend, you know, half their year south, uh, other places, and then come back and, and nest up in here in our area, um, a number of those species. And we actually track those from year to year. We have some monitoring that goes on. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. And so, and then, you know, some, some waterfowl as well on the reservoirs and that. Do you have cooperative relationships with uh, some NGOs like Audubon? Um, yeah, they, they'll they come up and help us do, you know, I think it's called the Christmas Bird Count, uh, things like uh-huh. that. And we have partnerships with academic institutions to do graduate study work and other agencies, U.S. Geological Survey and Forest Service and so on, and, and whatever the different topics might be. And we work Conservation Northwest, for example, is a non-government organization. They've been instrumental in, in returning fisher to the park. We, we haven't mentioned fisher, but right. that's a species that had been that had been trapped out um, long ago. And there's been an effort actually throughout the state in a few different places, Olympic National Park, Mount Rainier area, and now we're the third area. And so we've brought back in. Oh, well over 80 fisher in over the last couple of years and released them. It's a tough go for them. Um, these mountains are mighty steep and we have a hard time following up to see uh, where they're at and so on. They all have radio transmitters um, attached to them and we, we try and, and follow them, but we're trying to restore them as well. In some, Jay, yes, a number of species that are rare and some that we are trying to bring back as we can. What are the major issues that the park uh, has to deal with? Uh, is there visitor abuse, damage to the trails, poaching? Uh, well, um, so visitation um, has really skyrocketed in the last couple of years. It used to be you could always find a, a parking space at the trailheads and things like that, uh, whether it was a week or on the weekend. And, and now that has changed. There's, there's really a lot of visitor use, which... On the one hand, it's good. We, we like that because we want people out enjoying their public lands and becoming, uh, you know, advocates for national parks. But, it, you know, there is some trampling that occurs and it's hard to find solitude these days on in some trails and some popular spots. And so uh, there, there's some concerns for some of that because of the increasing uh, use levels. And so the park, you know, I'm sure will be trying to address what can be done to address those issues. You know, then there's just broader things going on, of course. Uh, climate change, I mean, 
you know, we've seen this over in Glacier National Park in Montana, the, the loss of glaciers, and, and we're starting to see that as well here from the increasing uh, temperatures and so on. So there's, that's a concern. Invasive species, invasive plants, things like that are all, have long been a concern mm. as well because they mm. start to disrupt the natural ecosystems. And so, so there's different things like that going on. Uh, some a little bit of poaching, I'm, I'm sure, Jay, but I, I don't know. It's a big issue that we've seen so far. Do you permit mountain bikes in the park? No, not not in the park or the recreation areas. And in part, good part, because so much I mentioned this earlier. So much of our our area is designated wilderness, and bikes just in general are not oh. permitted uh, in wilderness. So so no, you can over. I mean, certainly you can ride, ride mountain bikes on the on the few roads that we have, but, but not on the trails. And uh, what's the relationship with Canada? Do you have a good uh, cooperative relationship? Yes, yeah, very good relationship. Um, you know, a lot of their lands on their side of the border are also in uh, provincial parks, whether it's Manning Provincial Park or, or Skagit Valley Provincial Park. And so they have wild lands that abut our wildlands on our side. So there's, it's, it's uh, easy, I guess, to have um, collaboration and, and cooperative work with them. And uh, we welcome their visitors and they welcome ours, obviously. So we have a good um, relationship there. There's also a, when the dams were, were last licensed with, with Seattle City Lights and the Ross, Ross Lake and, and those areas, uh, a treaty was formed with Canada about that. And an endowment commission was established, the Skagit Environmental Endowment Commission. And so they've, they've helped us. They are a group that's both uh, British Columbia folks as well as Washington folks. And so they, there's a lot of cooperative work that goes on that they help with, whether it's ecosystem management or just providing visitor services to the public. So, so we have good partners like that that help kind of bridge the, um, the two uh, uh, countries and, and help do cooperative work together. So if I'm so. Cor- if I'm correct, uh, there are no roads that go into the recreation areas. Is that right? I know there's a road um, that he can you can where you can bring a car in by a boat and then you can drive up a road for 12 miles. But I think that's the limit, isn't it? Yeah. So on the east side and um, in the Stahican area, yes, you can only get there by boat or by seaplane uh, or, or there's a small airstrip, or you, or you can hike in, but you can't drive in. And But once you are there, there is a little bit of road. So in Ross Lake, though, of course, uh, State Highway 20 goes through the middle of it, crossing oh, the mountains yeah. over Metal Valley. So you can you can drive, and, and you can see Ross Lake even, as well as Diablo mm-hmm. and Gorge Lake. But um, but right. really, to see a lot of the park and to see a lot of the recreation areas, you've got to get out of the car and you've got to hike. <laughs> you've got to be willing to walk uh, to really see the best. A, or you can take a or, if you can bring your boat. And there's a put-in spot, isn't there, where you can access Ross Lake and then uh, travel by boat up the lake. Well, only on Ross Lake, uh, the only place you can drive to put in your boat is actually coming down to Canada. Um, oh. But on, on Diablo Lake uh, and Gorge Lake, which are smaller lakes, of course, um, you, you can, there, there is a boat ramp at each of those that you can put in a boat. So you can, uh, oh, you can do it that way. Now, of course, Ross Lake, 
on Ross Lake, uh, there is a way that you you can have small boats uh, barged up and and eventually get to Ross Lake from the uh, off of Highway 20, but it's quite the process. Are there any volunteer opportunities with the park? Uh, yeah, trail there are. Um, th there's some um, some trail maintenance that occurs. There's some things like we have a nursery, for example. We grow native plants, and there's always uh, room for for folks there and then of course in our visitor center visitor centers um and campgrounds there there can be uh, opportunities there for folks to um to volunteer you know like you see in a lot of places um in the automobile campgrounds that we have there's often campground hosts and they are typically volunteers so there's some of those kinds of volunteer opportunities I'm sure that folks, if they went to the park website, they could find ways to contact people to inquire about it, yes. Okay, Jack, well, we've exhausted our time, so I want to thank you very much, and congratulations on your retirement and a long, <laughs> thank you. long many years of service for the National Park Service. So our guest yeah, today has much. been Jack Elfke, Chief of Natural and Cultural Resources Management at North Cascades National Park, now retired. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to kgvm.org and scroll down to Wilderness and Wildlife. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.